With 252 days until the midterm elections, there is war in Europe. Americans are miserable on several fronts, and Joey B. reports to Congress. We'll cover all of that on this week's episode of Dale Carter's America. From the heart of flyover country, he's not on the far right, and he's certainly not on the far left. Like you, he's somewhere in the middle. This is Dale Carter's America. Well, we've uh, been gone for a couple of weeks, and events on the world stage have kind of taken over. Yeah, we take one week off, and the whole world goes to shit. It's just crazy right now. Um, The latest, of course, is the Ukrainians are trying to get Vladimir Putin's troops to get out of Ukraine. Uh, There are some sort of peace talks going. It seems pretty simple. Uh, Vlad, take your troops home. Yeah. They just started uh, today, I believe, with the the peace talks or whatever they're doing, ceasefire or something. Yeah. So— What is his motivation? I've been giving this quite a bit of thought. Mm -hmm. You know, Vladimir Putin is who we're talking about. Ultimately, what he wants to do is resurrect the old Soviet Union. He's KGB through and through. Maybe even the Russian Empire, which was bigger than the Soviet Union. Mm -hmm. Um, And tactically, I think what he's trying to do is drive a wedge into NATO. Yeah. Number one, he doesn't want Ukraine to join NATO because that is the Western alliance and Article 5 is an attack on one, is an attack on all. But I think there, there, there are more layers to this. I heard a joke that, yep, did you see that on camera? <laughs> yeah. A little Viagra for my uh, microphone <laughs> yeah. might be needed there. All right. Um, you know, there's a joke running around that he's playing chess and Biden's playing checkers. Yeah. And I think it goes deeper than that. I think it's the game of Risk. Did you ever play Risk? Yeah, I have it at my house. Yeah. And I, of course, have Civilization Three on my computer. And if you haven't played Civilization 3, you should really try any of the Civilization games. I got stuck on 3, and I enjoy playing it. Mm-hmm. I think I've had it on my computer over a decade. Um, but when you do things as a country, there are other things that happen, right? Yeah. So I think he's playing Risk or a version of Civilization because he's trying to drive a wedge into NATO, and he has really done it um, extraordinarily, in my view, uh, because he's got Germany and Italy dependent on him for um, gas and natural gas, oil, all those things, right? And, and America to a lesser extent, but still to a pretty significant extent. It's a crippling extent in Germany and yeah. Italy, yeah. which is why uh, the sanctions, everybody asked Biden about SWIFT, which was the banking thing, which was the ultimate sanction. That's finally been leveled, but that wasn't going to happen initially because the Germans and the Italians didn't want that. Right. Um, so... Yeah. He, he's driving this wedge into NATO because I think he ultimately wants to to get into those countries, right, without Article 5 being triggered. And if, if he drives a wedge into NATO, we're not going to be all for one and one for all. Yeah. Well, the, I think the bottom line is Putin is a uh, thug. I mean, well, let, let me say this. I mean, like him or, or not like him, he's a, he's a strong nationalist leader, and he understands – global politics. He understands that given the opportunity to um, expand his empire, he's going to take that opportunity because that is in his and his country's best interest, at least the way that he sees it. Um, You know, I'm not sure whether I agree with that or not, but that's how he views it. He's wanted Ukraine for a long time. I mean, he um, annexed Crimea during the Obama administration and and he's been, you know, very clearly uh, wanting to expand the Russian Empire, and like I said, he's he's ex KGB through and through. Uh, he was very active during the Soviet Union, and so 
I believe that he sees this as an opportunity, given the, the weakness of leadership in America and elsewhere in NATO, that he can do this and there won't be really any significant consequences. And I think that's being proven to be true. You know, it's interesting, too, that all the people who spread the lie, and, and with the Durham investigation, we know it was a lie, that um, uh, Trump was co- colluding with the Russians. He was a Russian agent, they were saying at one point, that Putin really wanted Donald Trump to be president. If you look at what's happened, the Crimea, to your point, he took the Crimea when Barack Obama was president. Mm-hmm. He was waiting for somebody like Joe Biden to come along. Mm-hmm. I mean, Joe Biden is absolutely feckless. There is no leadership whatsoever. The guy has never run so much as a hot dog stand. Uh, and he's now the president of the United States. And that's when the Ukraine happens. That's when the invasion happens, when Joe Biden is there, not when Donald Trump was there. Yeah, it's ironic that the people who were saying that Trump was in bed with Russia and weak on Russia and too nice to Putin are the same people who are weak on Russia. And now Putin is walking all over them. Right. And uh, yeah. Well, you know, Biden was the guy who took care of corn pop at the swimming pool. And, you know, I'm sure you can find a clip and let's put a clip in here of Joe Biden saying that uh, Russia doesn't want him as president because because he's going to be really strong on Russia. Mm -hmm. Number one. Vladimir Putin, Father, doesn't want me to be president. Uh, no, I'm serious, because even, even Facebook has taken down thousands of the bots, they call them, negative ads he's put up, the Russians have put up, uh, maligning me, and they, what they do is they take a picture of somebody who's a registered voter, and then put a saying underneath what they've allegedly said, they've never said any such thing, and, you know, Joe Biden beats his dog or something, I don't know, you know, and, uh, that's why I learned he doesn't want me to be, uh, be, vice, be president because he knows me. He has good reason not to want me to be president. Just absolute horse hockey, as Colonel Potter used to say on on MASH. Well, this is where I think it gets it gets into deeper water here because what you just said is totally accurate, and it goes way deeper than that. I don't think that at this point, America or the West, broadly speaking, but America specifically, because that's where we live and that's where we care about, we don't really have any leg to stand on in this. Um, You know, people talk about America as the force for good in the world, as the the leader of the West and the leader of the free world, and we're promoting uh, Western ideals for the rest of the world. I'm not sure if that's true anymore. I mean, what are we really promoting? What, what is our military promoting? Look at, look at the, the ads that our military has been running and what they've been focusing on under this current administration and before. They're focusing on diversity and inclusion. They're focusing Whoa. on LGBT. Mm-hmm. They're focusing on all of these things. Do you think that's going to make Russia take us seriously? Do you think that any other country in the world that takes itself seriously, whether it be Russia, China, Ukraine, any other serious country would take that message seriously? What are we really promoting? I mean, what are we teaching in our schools? You Mm -hmm. can look at it that way. What are we teaching in our schools? What are we teaching in our culture? Do we have any leg to stand on to have to to claim to have the moral high ground to tell Russia what to do? I really don't think we do. And I think that's the sad reality of this whole situation is it's bringing that to light. It's bringing to light the fact that in many ways you can say they're, they're evil. You can say Putin's a bad guy and that may be true, but He's a more serious leader than our leadership, and it's a more serious country than our country, and that's just the bottom line. 
Well, I think to your point, we're teaching CRT in the schools. You know, there's a fight against teaching CRT. So it comes down to race, critical race theory and all that. And then something John Kerry said over the weekend just really struck me. Did you see this? I saw it. Yeah, yeah. we can drop the clip. All right, we'll drop the clip in here. I'm very concerned about I'm concerned about Ukraine because of the people of Ukraine and because of the principles that are at risk uh, in terms of international law and trying to change boundaries of international law by force. Uh, I thought we lived in a world that had said no to that kind of activity, and I hope diplomacy will win. But massive uh, emissions consequences to the war, but equally importantly, you're going to lose people's focus. You're going to lose certainly big country attention because they will be diverted and and uh, I think it could have a damaging impact. So, you know, I think hopefully President Putin would realize that in the northern part of his country, they used to live on 66% of a nation that was over frozen land. Now it's thawing and his infrastructure is at risk and the people of Russia are at risk. And so I hope President Putin will help us to stay on track with respect to what we need to do for the climate. I mean, so that's the problem. I mean, the woke culture and the the global warming culture and all that and climate change and all that. And look at the position it's put us in. And our adversaries out there, they're laughing at us. They're laughing in Russia. They're laughing in China. Mm -hmm. They're laughing in North Korea. Mm -hmm. And we have three more years of Biden being president who is absolutely feckless and the Chinese are running, you know, uh, flights over Taiwan. And so, North Korea launched a missile into the sea. Well, he's been doing that for over, a while. Over the weekend. But, but he's a bad guy. Yeah. And what's he going to do? Uh, what's Iran going to do? Is Iran going to get a nuclear weapon? Yeah. And if they get it, will they use it? I would guess they will. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't necessarily know that this is what's going to happen. I mean, I if I had to make a prediction, I would probably say that this will more or less blow over. At least that's what I hope will happen. But the worst case scenario is certainly that all of these other bad actors, you know, see this as an opportunity as well. You'll see China move against Taiwan. You'll see maybe North Korea move against South Korea. Um, and that goes back to another thing, you know, that that Trump was very strong on. I mean, he, he was strong on Russia in many ways, which we'll get to uh, some of these, but he imposed sanctions, like real sanctions on their economy and on their energy sector and other things. Uh, he was energy independent from Russia. He started drilling and uh, produced American oil. Exactly. We were a net exporter for the exactly. first time in, in decades. We did not have to rely on Russian oil. But at the same time, he understood that we needed to talk to Putin and we needed to talk to Russia. And he got together with Putin many times. And that's why the media was always like, oh, Trump is buddy-buddy with Putin. He said nice things about Putin. And he's still saying nice things about Putin. Um, and you can say what you want about that, but here's the deal. Are, is Russia going to be, like, I don't think Russia is our real enemy. I think China is a real enemy. So is Russia going to be on the side of America or is Russia going to be on the side of China? Great question. I think that is really one of the big questions moving forward. And not to compare everything to World War II, which is way overdone in my opinion, but to do it this one more time. I mean, we fought with the Soviet Union in World War II against the Nazis and the Japanese Empire, despite all of the atrocities that they were committing, which were on par with, and in many cases worse than even what the Nazis were doing. Granted, we didn't really know about it at the time. We didn't find out until much later, but you know, it, it just shows that 
global politics and you know these these sort of uh, worldwide conflicts or or diplomacy is much more complicated than you know we don't like this person so we can't talk to them you know it's it's much more complicated than that and I think we should be taking Russia seriously um, and really trying to make sure that they are on the right side of this uh, growing and more present conflict that is arising between China and the West and America. Well, you know how Putin is selling this back at home. He's saying that uh, he's denazifying the Ukraine, which is kind of ironic because Zelensky's a Jew. Right. Did you know that? <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah. So um, that, that's kind of uh, ironic there. But back to sanctions here for a second, because um, there was a lot loud cry in the Senate, particularly among Republicans, to really hit him hard before he went into the Ukraine. Okay, as a deterrence. Mm -hmm. uh, so some sanctions were leveled, and they can't even get that story straight in the White House. You've got Kamala Harris, the vice president over in Europe. It's hard to understand her because she's wearing a mask. Let's drop that clip right here. Sure. But if you believe Putin has made up his mind, what leverage do you really have? Why not put those sanctions in place now? The purpose of the sanctions has always been and continues to be deterrence. But let's also recognize the unique nature of the sanctions that we have outlined. These are some of the greatest sanctions, if not the, the, the strongest, that we've ever issued. As I articulated yesterday, it, it is directed at institutions, in particular financial institutions and individuals, and it will exact absolute harm for the Russian economy and their government. But if Putin has made up his mind, do you feel that this threat that has been looming is really going to deter him? Absolutely. We strongly believe, and, and remember also that the sanctions are a product not only of our perspective as the United States, but a shared perspective among our allies. And the allied relationship is such that we have agreed that the deterrence effect of these sanctions is still a meaningful one, especially because, remember also, we still sincerely hope that there is a diplomatic path out of this moment. And within the context then of the fact that that window is still opening, although, open, although it is absolutely narrowing, but within the context of a diplomatic path still being open, the deterrence effect we believe has merit. And then you've got the President of the United States in front of reporters saying the complete opposite of what his Vice President is saying. His administration can't even get the story straight. Yeah, yeah. No one expected the sanctions to prevent anything from happening. It has to show this is going to take time. It's kind of a lot of it. I mean, uh, you've mentioned some newer, the SWIFT uh, sanctions and stuff like that, which I'll, you can talk more about after this because I'm not really too uh, knowledgeable on that. But a lot of the stuff that we're seeing, it seems uh, just kind of emblematic of nothing. I mean, you know, you're seeing these news stories about like liquor store owners pouring out Russian vodka, like as if that's going to freaking do anything. That virtue signaling. Well, you know, we yeah. talk about that a lot. And, you know, City Hall in Kansas City is bathed in blue and right. yellow. Right, right. What the hell does that mean? And all of the celebrities, you know, oh, putting yeah. the Ukrainian flag on their Twitter profile. What I did see was one liquor store was going to pour out all of their vodka, right, and send the bottles to Ukraine to make Molotov cocktails out of. Mm. Now that's practical mm -hmm. because that's, that's what good. they're doing over in the Ukraine. They are 
are fighting a battle over there. They're like the Alamo, man. Yeah. They, they are – They're basically they've given weapons to everyone over there, mm-hmm. and it's like fight or die. We're going to fight for our country. I mean, it's something really to respect. But virtue signaling, you, you know how I feel about it. I feel about the same way you feel about virtue signaling. But if we want to send bottles to the Ukraine to make Molotov cocktails, I think that's good. I saw somebody – it might have been on one of our posts uh, or somebody – in our in our uh, DMs or something. I'm sorry if I'm forgetting who you are, but somebody said that instead of pouring out all the Russian vodka, we should send it to Nancy Pelosi's house. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. The re- the resolve of the Ukrainians uh, seems to be very strong, and you know, Zelensky is is being very strong. I mean, he's staying in the capital. He's uh, arming up himself. He's arming up his his people, and it just shows, you know, the the strength of an armed population. And there have been on Twitter, you know, there's this uh, this account called Defiant L's. And basically what it does is it takes an old tweet from somebody and, uh, you know, puts it next to a new tweet where they directly contradict themselves. And there was a lot of them about like, oh, you know, the people don't need AR-15s. Like, you know, what do they think? They're going to overthrow the government. And then like, oh, I'm so happy that the Ukrainian <laughs> people are armed. And, you know, you see... It's kind of ironic because a lot of them are armed with with Soviet AKs, right? Um, but I mean, it's great. You know, you see like grandmas carrying AKs on the street. I mean, what's wrong with that? <laughs> you know, whatever it takes. And and from everything I hear, Putin is furious that this is taking so long. He wanted to get in there, get this done. You know, shock and awe, much like uh, the Americans did back in the day. Um, uh, but it's it's dragging on. It's it's not going well for the Russians. It's exposing maybe some weakness that they have, and that's the last thing a guy like Vladimir Putin wants to see. Yeah, for sure. Could yeah. you talk a little bit more about those yeah. new sanctions? Because well, Swift is is the one that we're talking about. It's what yeah. the reporters were jumping all over Biden about, and he's like, no, 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 we're not ready. To, we're not ready to do that and all that. Uh, but that's a banking system between countries that allows transactions to flow smoothly, and the Germans, in particular, were throwing up the caution flag on that because they rely so much on the Russians for energy, and they didn't want to do anything that was going to necessarily, okay, let's make it a little rough on Vladimir Putin, let's make it a little rough on some of the oligarchs and all that, uh, but but this would this would ultimately boomerang back and hurt Germany right. uh, in trying to get that energy. But, you know, and, and I want to get into this a little bit later when we talk about the State of the Union, but I'm just going to say it now. When President Biden goes out there and says, and you can lay this clip in too, that he's going to do everything in his power to um, keep pain away from the pump, to keep gas prices low, he is absolutely boldface lying. Yeah. Here's the clip. As we respond, my administration is using every tool at our disposal to protect American businesses and consumers from rising prices at the pump. As I said last week, Defending freedom will have cost for us as well and here at home. We need to be honest about that. But as we will do but as we do this, I'm going to take robust action to make sure the pain of our sanctions is targeted at a Russian economy, not ours. We're closely monitoring energy supplies for any disruption. We're executing a plan in coordination with major oil producing consumers and producers toward a collective investment to secure stability in global energy supplies. This will be uh, this will blunt gas prices. I want to limit the pain the American people are feeling at the gas pump. This is critical to me. Okay, because if he were going to do that, 
he would restart the XL pipeline project. Mm-hmm. Now, what uh, our friends on the left will say was, well, that was never even built yet. Mm-hmm. You can't really count that yet. No, but you damn well ought to be building the thing to get that oil flowing from Canada. And then the other thing he did was executive orders that stopped drilling on federal lands, stopped fracking on federal lands. He has done everything in his power to stick a fork in the eye of the uh, the energy companies here in this country. I mean, so what they what what he will do, and, and they're so transparent about this. When when they're lying to you, you just have to call them out on the lies. The Democrats in the Senate, especially the ones that are in tough re-election battles, are saying we should have a um, holiday from the federal gas tax through the end of the year. In other words, through the election. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's eighteen cents a gallon that would come down. I mean, that would sort of make a dent. I mean, I paid three fifty the other day. It's going up, pretty and it's quickly. going up very quickly. And then the other thing they do that's very transparent is we'll take some oil out of the strategic reserve, which is there should we need to send the fleet over to clean up this mess right. after Vladimir Putin does what he does to send our airplanes in or whatever. Um, so those are two things that. It just it grates on me. It chaps my ass because he is lying to the American people. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's sort of one of those phrases, right? Like, I will do everything in my power like that. In but quotes, he has a lot in his power. Right. He could do a lot. He could undo a lot of what he's done in the last year. Yeah, no, I, I understand. You're absolutely right. I'm just saying that uh, that's kind of one of those you know, bumper sticker politician phrases that they all just call say him and, out on and it. they don't mean We it. need to call him out on it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, Jen Psaki had a, a similar moment, and I'll drop the clip here, where she was saying that we need to uh, not be dependent on foreign oil and we need to use green energy instead. What this actually justifies in President Biden's view is the fact that we need to reduce our dependence on foreign oil, on oil in general, and need to, and we need to look at other ways of process, of having energy in our country and others. One of the interesting things, George, we've seen over the last week or so is that a number of European countries are recognizing they need to reduce their own reliance on Russian oil. And that's obviously not realistic. I mean, the, the green energy thing, you know, we've talked about before, so I'm not going to beat a dead horse with that. But, uh, you know, you mentioned the Keystone XL pipeline, which was never actually operational, but we should be building it, like you said. But the main thing is the other thing that you said, which is which is the actual drilling. You know, under Trump, we were doing more drilling on federal lands. We were doing more offshore, offshore drilling. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had energy independence. So that's what we need to go back to. Exactly. Now, you know... W- from what I understand, I'm not an expert in this field, but w- what I understand is we get about a half a million barrels of oil a day from Russia. And what was going to come from Canada through the Keystone XL pipeline was about a half million to 600,000 barrels a day. Right. So it would completely replace what we would be losing. Uh, but by be- being dependent on, on Russia for oil, it- it's like he's playing chess and that's one of his rooks yep. or his knights or what. It's not his king or his queen. Uh, but we've got to think three to four jumps ahead. We can't do this one-to-one. This is not checkers. It's at least chess. It's probably risk, and it might even be civilization. Yeah, and th- one more thing on that, too, because it's very important to point out that not only did Joe Biden halt production of the Keystone XL pipeline in America and Canada, but he allowed Putin to go forward with his pipeline. Exactly. Um, a couple of stories that I have on this. Biden administration taking steps to promote green manufacturing in an effort to reduce the industrial sector's impact 
on climate change. So again, he, he's doing everything in his power to drive the green agenda, which you just said. Um, and these companies that, man, that, that produce energy, right, who rely on coal, because we're a coal-driven country, mm-hmm. when you plug in your little electric car at home, it's fueled by coal. Yeah, okay? more often than not. Yeah. Um, but he's putting restrictions on these companies so they're not investing in infrastructure and they're they're doing what the federal government tells them they have to do, which is take more and more steps towards something that's unrealistic. Again, we've beaten this dead horse before, but wind and solar are not sustainable to run our economy. They're just not. Right. Absolutely correct. Uh, Biden ready to invest $5 billion to create a network of electric vehicle charging stations. Every state must submit plans by August explaining how they would install chargers along highways. I think the key words there are must submit. Must submit. <laughs> it's another mandate, right? Yeah. Okay. And then what I was talking about earlier, uh, Blumenthal in Connecticut, Senator Blumenthal calling for a suspension of the federal gasoline tax. Uh, Kelly in Arizona, who's in a tough reelection battle, he jumped on board with this as well. It, they think the electorate, and they may have some evidence for this, they think the electorate is stupid. They think you people are absolutely stupid. Well, let's be clear. Everyone watching this right now, everyone listening to this right now, you are not stupid because you're listening to this podcast and our audience is Some brilliant. of them hate listen. Well, yeah, maybe that's true. So if, if you're one of those people, if you cannot see through this, you probably are stupid and probably should not vote. Because, I mean, you you have to see this. It's, it's a gasoline tax. It's 18 cents a gallon. It goes to pave our federal highways, right? Mm-hmm. And a gas tax holiday just through the end of the year. Yeah. Well, gee, November, there's a big election coming up, and right. some of these people are scared to death they're going to lose. Well, and it's also funny because, you know, the – the price of gas has gone up by a lot more than 18 cents. So yeah. it's still going to go up. It's just going to go up 18 cents less than it would go up otherwise. Maybe a little splash from the strategic reserve. Right. That, that might get it done. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm through beating that dead horse. You ready to move on? Let's do it. To the State of the Union. My favorite, my favorite day of the year. Well, it's coming up <laughs> as we record this on Monday. Uh, tomorrow night, Joe Biden will deliver the State of the Union address Um, It's a constitutional requirement from time to time. It's not really specified when the president has to report to Congress on how things are going generally. Right. And in the television era, it's become an event. Yes. It's become a pageant. (laughs) And, of course, the the barricades are going up around the Capitol again, Mm -hmm. okay, because there's fear out there that there's going to be a trucker convoy that's going to go to D.C., a la what they did in uh, Canada or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that brought up another point before we get to the actual State of the Union. Um, it's acceptable protesting versus unacceptable protesting. And it gets back to, was it the last episode where we did the racial matrix? Yeah. The sex and race yeah, matrix? the last one or the one before, I don't remember. Yeah. So if you watch that one, you, you know what we're talking about here, that depending on who you are and what your attributes are is your ability to do this or that. And the same thing goes with uh, protesting, because what was acceptable in this country was for a certain segment of the population to burn down cities, um, kill people kill people loot attack cops mayhem (laughs) absolutely um mostly peaceful protest was how it was displayed on most of the media 
What is unacceptable is taking your big rig and parking it across from the capital in Ottawa, Canada, and honking your horn a lot. Yeah, yeah the, the honk honk. There was actually a clip, uh, which I'll find and I'll drop here, where somebody said that honk honk actually means Heil Hitler. How much vitriol do we have to see of honk honk, which is an acronym for Hail Hitler, do we need to see by these protesters on social media? Is that right? Yeah. Oh, well, it, was a, it was a Canadian. Uh, so that's journalist. where we are. <laughs> and because of the threat that some truckers might go to D.C. and protest, how many protests have there been since that's been the capital of this country? There have been all kinds of protests, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, the fences are going back up because we can't have another January 6th insurrection. Yeah. Yeah. That's their term. What, what do you what do you make of this uh, trucker thing? I mean, do you think it's gonna it's good not good? I mean, what do you what do you think about that? I'm kind of neutral on it in that I mean I get what they're trying to do and the the tradition in this country for protest goes all the way back, you know, to the Tea Party. Yeah. You know, you you didn't like the tea tax, so you dumped a bunch of tea in the harbor or whatever. Nobody was killed in that either. Um, if I don't know. I, I'm neutral on it, but but where I come down on the First Amendment is you have the right to unless you unless you impinge on my rights, you have the right to protest. Yeah. No, I get that. I just um, First Amendment's pretty strong. And as I said on my show this morning on KFKF, and, and I believe this to my core, um, the First Amendment test is not whether I agree with it or not. It's whether I'll defend it if I don't agree with it. Right. You know, and I played a song and, and we might play it on the podcast because it's getting more and more popular. Um, Putin is a dictator. Mm-hmm. You know, you, it's where the pause is. Yeah, you gotta, I see that. Uh, yeah, it's exactly. Very clever. Very clever. Um, anyway, if I played that in Russia on a radio station, the Vladimir Putin goon squad would come <laughs> and take me and you would never hear from me again. Yeah. Okay. The only goon squads that we have in this country, I think, are the Freddie Phelps people who show up at concerts and hold up those hideous signs. Mm-hmm. The test of the First Amendment is if you can defend Freddie Phelps's goon squad in what they're going to say. Right. So whether I, I agree with them or not, I agree with their right to protest. Yeah, no, that's fine. I mean, I think that's that as long goes as they're not saying, breaking any laws. I think that goes without saying. I, I just, um, you know, with the with the trucker thing in America. I mean, I think the the trucker protest in Canada was very uh, specific and deliberate and effective for for many reasons. I mean, there was a they were imposing a vaccine mandate on truckers. That's why they had the protest. It was very clear what the intent was. They had a, b- a bunch of people. It was one unified protest, one unified movement, and they made their voices heard. I think the this thing in America is a little bit different. You know, I, I mean, what are they? I have a couple questions, I guess, uh, to, to say the least. You know, what are they specifically protesting and why are they doing it now? I mean, it's like everything is kind of coming down now. I mean, the, the mandates are, are largely going away. I mean, not that there's still not things to be protested. There are things that to be protested, but like, why didn't you do this a year and a half ago? You know, I mean, wh- why now? Like, yeah. what, I mean, it's just, it seems purely, purely reactionary to what they did in Canada. It's like, oh, we have trucks yeah. too, you know. And, and they mean, may not show up at all. Who knows what's going to happen? But if they parked outside the Capitol 
And oh, and while Biden's trying to talk, if you heard horns honking in the background, wouldn't that be funny? That would be pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> All right. State of the Union um, TV event, which we've covered. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I I would think the Republicans will be sitting on their hands quite a bit. Will, will they give Joe Biden the standing ovation that they give every other president? I really don't care, man. It's I, just so the whole State of the Union thing is just so cringe to me. Well, and. A president is supposed to stand up before Congress and the world and say the state of our union is sound right, or strong. Right. There's got to be a word like that that he's – and I don't know how he can say it. Stay in the union. You know the thing. You know, yeah. And it's on kind of late, so I don't know if he's going to – you know, he will have the teleprompter going, So and he he's getting worse and worse at reading. They'll probably have him on some Adderall or something like that. I guess. So I made some notes on this, uh, and I've got it in two categories, domestic issues and foreign affairs. And we'll start with domestic issues. Um, Violence in the cities. It's still going on, right? Um, Inflation is run amok. Uh, The border, which is a complete disaster. And the mismanagement and politicization of COVID. Okay, what has he done in these areas? Uh, First of all, with uh, violence in our cities. He keeps talking about guns. Guns are the issue. Guns are the problem over crime and punishment. Meanwhile, the Democrats and um, in Democrat-led cities, prosecutors are basically running criminals through like a turnstile, putting them right back out on the street. And the pressure on our cops is the same offenders keep creating the same crime. Yeah, the recidivism rates for, for violent offenders are very high. And Joe seems to be focused on ghost guns. Now, you're more of a gun guy than I am, but describe again what a ghost gun is. Is that one you can, like, build a kit from the computer or something? No, I don't think so. I mean, I I tried looking this up once, and I I couldn't really find a good answer. I think potentially what he means is a gun that has been transferred through a private sale, maybe. Maybe. I, I don't really I thought know. thought a ghost gun was something very specific, so we'll have to yeah, I don't know. look into that. I mean, that. it's, it's kind of one of those things, you know, it's like uh, it's like assault rifle. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't really mean anything, you know. And there's a big issue that could be drilled down on here and needs to be drilled down on here. We have something going on in our cities where black people are killing other black people. Mm-hmm. It's, it's terrible. Yeah. Um, and the focus from the Democrats seems to be on legal gun owners, people who live in the suburbs who are not killing anyone, mm-hmm. that they are the problem. Mm-hmm. No, the problem is in the inner cities. And I don't know what the problem is, but what I can tell you is, is every day in the news in Kansas City and in large cities, there are black people killing black people, and I don't know what the answer is. Yeah, it's like to the tune of 20-plus a day. Yeah, it's just it's terrible, and it, it's getting worse. And again, he's talking and his administration is talking about guns over crime and punishment. Um, Inflation, we talked about the canceled Keystone XL uh, and the executive orders he signed to stop drilling um, and doing everything in his power to keep pain at the pump low. That is an absolute, complete lie. Um, Fracking on federal lands, anti-fossil fuel, pushing unsustainable fantasy of wind and solar, making us dependent upon people who don't like us. Um, like Russia, for example. Like <laughs> Russia. I mean, <laughs> almost went into a Trump yeah, thing there. Yeah, you did. You're like, almost, like, 
Russia. <laughs> you, need to, you need to do the hand thing. Yeah. Where, where does the hand start again? Where does it go again? I don't know. It starts out here. See, now we have video. I can do that. I know. It's you a, have, you, I got to start with the hands out here and then bring them in. All right. The border, an absolute disaster. Um, we're setting records every month on people entering this country illegally. Uh, the head of our um, Homeland Security Department basically says just being here illegally now is not a crime. Mm-hmm. That's their uh, strategy on that. Come on in. Can I add something to that? Just to go back to the Ukraine thing. Sure. And just this is another perfect example of the uh, priorities being way out of whack and the hypocrisy and everything else. We have the establishment, you know, that wants to shit on Russia. We should, you know, go to war or whatever. We should send arms to the Ukrainians because the, the you know, the Ukrainians sovereignty is being uh, is being compromised and they're being invaded. Our country is being invaded. Yeah. Our, our exactly. sovereignty is compromised. And yet they don't seem to care about that. They don't want to build a wall. They don't want to enforce the border. They don't even want to deport criminals who come here illegally and commit more crimes. They stay in our country. They get released back into the country. So why should we as conservatives or we as the American people take these people seriously when they want to defend another country and their sovereignty, but not our own country and our sovereignty? That's an excellent point. Thank you. Yeah. So on to uh, point number four on domestic, uh, the mismanagement and politicization of COVID, um, incentivizing people to stay home and not working. Meanwhile, our debt is continuing to mount. It's above $30 trillion now. When is enough enough? Um, he, it's virtue signaling over science. You know, he's still wearing a mask everywhere he goes. And he, he walks out from the White House where he's more protected than any human being, right? And he's still got his mask on. Yep. He takes his mask off. Uh, Vice President Harris overseas doing a press conference through a mask. She sounds like somebody when you're trying to order fast food, right? I want a red orange drink and a big mask. <laughs> yeah. That, it's, <sighs> it's just crazy. And, you know, to, to the point on this, I pulled some stuff on this. Let me find it real fast. Um, that's not it. Yeah. More than a thousand New York city workers who refused to get the COVID shot have been officially fired. Yep. So in New York run by Democrats, they are, uh, the priority there is COVID virtue signaling versus public safety. Yep. And it's one of the hotbeds of violence in this country. I, uh, I posted a story to the Facebook page and then the original post got either removed or, uh, you know, the audience got, it got, went private or something like that. But do you watch Star Wars or are into Star Wars at all? Yeah. Have, did you watch The Mandalorian, the show on Disney Plus? I did I didn't, not. I, I did not watch no. it, but I'm aware of it. So I didn't know this before, but there's this uh, very popular account on Facebook and it's called The Maskalorian. And it's somebody dressed <laughs> up, it's somebody dressed up as the Boba Fett guy or whatever. Right. And they have the little baby Yoda like strapped to the front and they have a little ma- mini mask and they have a mask over the helmet over the uh the Boba Fett helmet right and it's like a video of this guy walking around in New York and being like thank you for wearing your mask and like you know handing out masks and stuff I was like oh my god hello people of New York I am the Maskalorian. Handing out masks is my number one function. Would you like a mask absolutely free? I am the Maskalorian. You're the Maskalorian? I am the Maskalorian. 
Here. Oh my God, the mask of yes, and this is Little Masku. I'm well, so glad that I don't live in New York. Yeah. I mean, could you imagine? <laughs> could you freaking imagine? Quentin Lucas finally <laughs> let the uh, mask mandate expire in Kansas City. Yeah. I still see people out wearing masks or whatever, and God love you. I mean, if you want to wear a space suit and wrap yourself in saran wrap, you know, be you. <laughs> but don't affect me, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and But I am still going to point and laugh at people who are driving in their car alone Wearing a oh, mask. It's the worst. It's I, the worst. I, I still don't get it, but it, but it still happens. So that's that's the domestic State of the Union. Am I missing anything here? He got one thing across the finish line, and that was the uh, so-called um, um, bipartisan infrastructure bill. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he got that across the finish line. Nothing else in his agenda has been passed. Well, we are missing something that he's definitely going to talk about tomorrow, which and? is that he uh, made a, an appointment for the Supreme Court. Okay, well, we'll get to that in a second. Let's let's so let's talk about foreign relations now, okay? Because that's also a part of the State of the Union message. What's happening on the world stage? Um, and there's a school of thought out there that Vladimir Putin decided to pull the trigger on Ukraine when we botched our withdrawal from Afghanistan. It's very possible. Yeah. So, I mean, what are and we've talked about this a little bit, but but what do you think people are thinking in China, North Korea, Iran, about the state of the United States? Well, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like what I was saying earlier. What are we really promoting? I mean, yeah. what what are we? And it's not just the things that I mentioned. I mean, it, it, like our culture and what we're promoting in the military and stuff like that. But it's it's. Uh, like you mentioned, just our botching of the situations that we do find ourselves in, including Afghanistan, which was a complete disaster. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think just to reiterate, reiterate what I said earlier, I think Putin has wanted Ukraine and I think uh, China has wanted Taiwan and North Korea has wanted South Korea and so on and so forth. And they likely see this as as their opportunity to do so. So we'll see what they do. Well, the president will probably make a big deal out of the fact that uh, Katanji Brown Jackson. Am I saying her name right? Katanji. Yeah. Katanji. Katanji. Yeah. I, I don't. There might be an N in there somewhere. I think it might be Kentanji or Katan. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Katanji. Yeah. Katanji Brown Jackson. She yeah. is the. Um, uh, she's his pick for the Supreme Court. And I heard Ted Cruz talking about this over the weekend, and I could not have said it any better than Ted Cruz did, um, in that. If Joe Biden wanted to appoint a black female to the court, he should have done it without making a big deal out of it right. until after the name came out. Because he has basically made her um, the best black female jurist that he could find. Yeah, he's, he's, he's marginalized her. He's tanked her credibility from the very beginning by making it all about her race and her gender. And you have to, you have to imagine, I mean, it, I think everyone realistically, if they are honest with themselves, myself included, you have to believe that this is not the most qualified person for the job because that's what was set forth from the beginning. The the goal was not to be the most qualified person for the job. When Ronald Reagan appointed Sandra Day O'Connor, she was the first female appointed to the Supreme Court. He did not say, I am going to put the first female on the Supreme Court. Right. He made his pick and then after the fact acknowledged that she would be the first female on the Supreme Court. Right. It seems like it's it, it, you know, it seems a little subtle, but I think it's important. What what you which what, order you do things yeah, in. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day what's really going to matter is what is this person's uh what is her, you know, juris 
policy. I mean, what, right. what is her, uh, her background track and her, her track background. record? Yeah, exactly. And so. from what I've read so far, she's been reversed quite a bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she is another one of these folks. I mean, she's in the Stephen Breyer mode, so she's going to replace Stephen Breyer. Right. And that gets me to the yin and the yang of the court. I mean, this is his pick. Um, she should probably be confirmed. Yeah. No, I don't know. I mean, it depends on her record. I mean, that I think there's this whole idea that the, the didn't she Senate, get like 90 votes when she was up last time for the federal court job that she has know. now? I, I think that's the that. case. Overwhelmingly bipartisan confirmation, but it's different. This is right. a lifetime appointment. But this gets to the yin and the yang of the court because, by and large, America is a center right nation. Would you say that's probably true? Maybe not anymore, but that maybe historically. Well, it depends on where you put the center, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And so if you did a poll and you asked people um, in a Supreme Court justice, do you want someone who looks at the Constitution and decides whether a law is constitutional or unconstitutional? That's one pick you could have. Or you have another pick that, well, we can't get this done in Congress because we can't find the votes for it. We can't find the national unity for this. Um, so let's just decide it in the court and we'll just make law. Right. Where do you think the country would come down on those two questions? I really don't know, man. I, I really don't know. I think it would depend on the issue because, you know, people feel very strongly about issue, some issues over other issues. You know, if you're talking about Roe v. Wade, for example, that would be a very divisive. Um, it is a divisive issue. Yeah. And people might come down differently on that question of whether they think that it should be pure constitutionality or, you know, so-called legislating from the bench more so on that issue versus something less significant. You know, they might just be like on something less significant, you might find more people like, oh, yeah, you know, they should just follow the Constitution. But right. um, I mean, that's how we got Roe v. Wade in the first place. Exactly. Was, was from judicial activism. So. And we might end up losing Roe versus Wade. I hope so. Um, yeah. You know, at, take the lightning rod issue out of this. You know, I'm a process guy. Mm-hmm. I like the whole process of the thing. If we were going to have a national abortion law or standard, it should go through Congress. I mean, the Constitution is very clear on that, that law should be created by the Article One power, which is the legislature. The yeah. House and the Senate. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's deeper issues there, but we've talked about it before. Yeah. So um, the, the yin and the yang, I keep getting back to this, is when someone like Ketanji Brown Jackson gets appointed and something, and you start to see her decisions, and, and she may uh, go along with Sotomayor and Kagan. Um, and if we ever get to a fourth Democrat justice here, you're going to see the public say, that's not the role of the Supreme Court, and that will fire up the Republican base even more. And, you know, I think we're going to have a Republican president in 2024. I don't know who that's going to be, but I think we're going to have one. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to have a red wave here. So before that happens, under the wire, Biden is going to roll out Katanji Brown-Jackson as the best black female he could find. And we have to say that. We have <laughs> yeah. to say that's not racist. He said it. No, yeah, I know. It's so, it's so true, but it's just hilarious. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's hilarious. So, well, that'll be her role. She will be the best black female that I could find for the job. Yep. Not the best jurist for the job. Just like our vice president is not necessarily the best person to be a heartbeat yep. away from the presidency. She is the best black female he could find. I have to say I'm a little disappointed because I was really pulling for uh, Kamala to get the nod 
for Supreme Court. So that's a little disappointing. Well, and but. they could have checked another box. And then Pete Buttigieg could have come yeah. up as the first openly gay uh, vice president of the United is States. Is Biden trying to say that Kamala is not qualified for the Supreme Court? Really? I don't know. That's very problematic. It's definitely a question. And so you will not be watching the State of the Union, I take it. I don't know, man. I've got better things to do. It's just so – we've talked about this before because um, – we, we covered the State of the Union last year. Right. I, I believe we did, right? I think we did because we've been doing this for about a year now. So, um, But it's just – I don't think there was one. I think we talked about it because – Trump was outgoing. This is his right, first. Right, right. And so it's I been think, delayed. Usually they're in like January. This is going to be March 1st. Right, right. So I think we talked about it um, because there wasn't one. I think we talked about there not being one. But yeah, it's just uh, the the whole – just like pomp and circumstance of it. Again, I keep going back to this. We do not live in a serious country. And that's the bottom line. I mean, for me, we do not live in a serious country. Our culture, our military, our government, um, our public policy, our health establishment, our education, everything is just totally and completely unserious. So this whole like pomp and circumstance of, of, you know, treating the president with such respect and like, Everyone stands and claps for like 60 seconds, you know, when he's like, we're not uh, red America or blue America. We're the United (laughs) States of America. And like just all of these bumper sticker BS slogans that mean absolutely nothing. It is so cringe. I'm so tired of it. And that's why to go back to Trump again, that's why people like Trump because he didn't talk like that. Yeah. Especially off prompter, you know. When uh, Biden, or not Biden, Obama gave one of his State of the Union addresses, a Republican got in hot water because he yelled out, You lie! Yeah, right. Yeah. So maybe we need more of that. I mean, again, we talked about this, I think, a couple weeks ago, but if you look at like British Parliament or, oh, yeah. or other yeah. body politics, it's right. not like that. No, They're it's a shouting food fight. at each other. <laughs> They're like yelling and you're out of order. No, you're out of order. Well, you know? if I were in the chamber and he said, I'm going to do everything in my power to ease pain at the pump, I'd say, you lie. Right, right. <laughs> so they'd get, they'd get upset with me. All right. So the State of the Union is tomorrow night, and I'm sure we'll follow up with some of the stuff out of that, and we'll have more uh, from the Ukrainian situation and the world stage coming up. But I wanted to uh, leave you with this. Uh, you mentioned Star Wars. I'm a Star Trek fan mm-hmm. uh, from the very beginning. Um, you know, the the uh, are you a Star Trek fan at all? Eh. Know the characters? Yeah, you know, sort James of. T. Kirk and Spock yeah, and all yeah. that. Okay, the original Star Trek was on in the mid-60s. Think about what America was going through in the mid-60s. Mm-hmm. Um, and Star Trek wanted to show a post-racial world where it just did not matter. Mm-hmm. And that's why you had... You had a captain who was from Iowa, mm-hmm. okay? You had a uh, bridge crew, one from Russia. You know, the, the Cold War was really going on then. Mm-hmm. You had a communications officer from Africa, African-American. Um, you had an Asian, Sulu. You had a Scott. He was the engineer. Mm-hmm. Montgomery Scott, chief engineer. And you had an alien on the bridge crew, Got to be inclusive of those yeah. aliens. <laughs> Spock, right? Because he was a Vulcan, right? Okay. I'm so sorry. that was the bridge crew. Right. Okay. You had something of everything. Okay. And the original Star Trek, the dates of Star Trek that it supposedly is, is 2265 to 2269, way in the future. So now through the Star Trek universe, I'm watching Discovery, which is the latest series in the Star Trek realm. It is set 
in the 32nd century. They time warped ahead like 900 years into the future. And and I'm a fan, so I watch every episode. And what I have determined is between 2265 and the 32nd century, they have eliminated the white heterosexual male. Mm. There are no white heterosexual males on Discovery. All I have to say is good for them. You know, it, it's about their time. They need to be uh, wiped out. Aren't you a white heterosexual male? <laughs> I am a white heterosexual male. Proudly, by the way, I'm going to say I'm a proud white heterosexual male. Yeah, but I'm right watching on. this show and it's like, okay, there's a white male. He's gay. Mm-hmm. How do they procreate? I would I wonder. You know, actually, I'm sure, you know. They have with, black characters, you know, on Star Trek Discovery, and they are heterosexual. What I'm saying is there right, are no white, white heterosexual males. Right, but if there's white characters, how did they get there? How, I have how no idea. They, there's even a trans – actually, there's two trans characters. You know, I, w- I will have to say, I'm sure if we can figure out uh, warp speed and, you know uh, – teleportation or all these other things that they have in the Star Trek universe. I'm sure that they can figure out, you know, uh, brave new world style in vitro fertilization where, you know, you're born into yeah. your, your role and your class and everything like that. So maybe that's what's happening. And well, maybe if, they've just bred out all of the, uh, that could the be. white straight males. Because <laughs> if we have any viewers, listeners of the podcast who are into Star Trek as much as I am, please point out to me, a white heterosexual male character on Star Trek Discovery because I don't think there is one. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of happening in a lot of media broadly too. I mean, even if you look at like commercials and stuff like that, yeah. uh, if you really want to be cynical, cynical, the next time you see a commercial break on TV, look at like all of the white male characters are usually like either evil or stupid. They're like, you know, the stupid husband, like the wife's driving the car and the husband's in the passenger seat like, oh, where are we going? Yeah. You know, it's like every commercial. Well, there like are that. white heterosexual actors on Star Trek Discovery, but they play aliens. Yeah, well, I don't know what to say about that. There's a joke in there somewhere. There's but. definitely a joke in there somewhere. <laughs> but just check it out. Star Trek from the original to where it is now has managed to eliminate white heterosexual males from the future. So if you're a white heterosexual male like me or Kurt, um, we're not long. Very woke. For the universe. Very woke. Very cool. <laughs> very good. Awesome. Woke. The new email address is? DaleCartersAmerica at gmail.com. And Look. we are on Facebook. At Dale Carter's America on Twitter at Dale Carter's Amer and now on YouTube. You're probably watching this on Woo-hoo. YouTube or Rumble. <laughs> Subscribe on both. Check us out. Tell your friends. All right. Until next week, this is Dale Carter's America. The views expressed on Dale Carter's America are Dale's and Kurt Wheeler's. They do not necessarily reflect the views of KFKF or Steel City Media. Comments can be sent to Dale Carter's America at gmail.com. Check back for weekly episodes. Subscribe, spread the word, and give us a five-star review. Thanks for being a part of Dale Carter's America.